Hey, how are you doing? It is Wednesday morning. It is May 27th. This is After the Gig. I'm Jesse. How you guys doing? Um, back today. Don't have a guest. So I want to read through some of these incredible responses um, that I got after last week's episode um, and talk about a couple carbon leaf things. Um, man, I was not expecting to get that many responses back from uh, from the questions I posed last week about quarantine and um, people getting back to normal and what they listen to as far as uh, how they listen to music. I will say across the board, everybody listens to uh, lyrics first. Everybody. It's just uh, how you guys do it. And it's kind of funny that you listen to me because I am I was so not a, uh, a lyric-centered, centered, lyric-centered listener. For such a long time, literally within the last five years. <sighs> Sorry, it's early. I'm still waking up a little bit, but I mean, just in the last five years is when I've really uh, switched over and been listening to more lyrics and finding some deeper meanings in songs. Because I just, when I would turn on. Music. It was all about the sounds. That's why 80s music was very difficult for me to get into right away because I was. Uh, it, it was because of. It was because of the sounds, just the dated sounds of the gated snare drums and the synthesizers, and I felt like every singer sounded the same. You know, I have long since changed those thoughts. And those opinions on 80s music, I, 80s music, I really like 80s music now. But um, that took some time. I loved 90s alternative, 90s rock. And when I listen back now, it's funny because I remember having the thought when I was a kid, like, music and the sounds will never get better than this. And some people would argue that they didn't, but I don't know. I I like where we're kind of ending up right now with um with production and also the attention to the song as a uh as a whole right now just like the attention to okay we need to make this sound exciting and have really good organic sounds and then also the blend of synthesized sounds and uh you know midi sounds and and drum machines and samples like the way that the way that some artists use samples now is just like it's incredible so i think we're in kind of a sweet spot where and there's so many people out there making music and it's so readily available to you via the internet or whatever Wherever you find it, it's easy. It's easy to find. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Um, so I think we're in a pretty good sweet spot right now, as far as as far as music is concerned, and the way the mix mixes are, you can hear all the lyrics. Usually, the vocals sitting pretty far on top, and that is going to bring remind me to come back to uh, a comment made on one of the car- carbon leaf videos, but. I actually I'm going to write that down. Video comment. So, I um I think we're in a good spot where people are really paying attention to and it depends on what you listen to cuz you can go and, you know, trap music or uh, mumble rap, you know, there's not really a whole lot of substance there in the lyrics, except there are there are a lot of young artists talking about, um, 
you know, uh, depression, struggles with anxiety, uh, all these kinds of things. So they are bringing issues to the forefront. And I think there's a little bit of a social divide and a little bit of a gap between generations where you hear it a certain way and it, it makes you just not listen to what they're saying. Um, that's how I perceive it. But when you listen to it, it's like, wow, there's a lot of pain in a lot of these lyrics. Um, so yeah, I don't know how I got off on that topic, but that video, uh, comment, speaking of lyrics, not, I'm going to be all over the place today. Sorry. Speaking of lyrics, not, uh, or, or, or song or (laughs) speaking of, oh my God, I came in. It's too early. Speaking of vocals that are above the mix or that you can hear better or whatever. There was a comment on um, one of the, on the, the new, the War Was In Color video that Carbon Leaf, that we released um, a couple days ago or yesterday. There was a comment that said, it's like, yeah, great video. The vocal is buried in the mix. Now, I'm not sure why you would have to comment that, but uh, and I don't, I don't know who the person is or, or whatever. They, I'm sure they don't listen to this, but I uh, just wanted to clear that up and why why the vocal does sound like that because the vocal is a little bit buried in the mix. It's um, I will say it's lower than you would expect it, but there are reasons for that. Um, Doug Ross did such an amazing job uh, mixing all those videos and all those sessions. Um, it was it was so, oh my alarm my alarm tell me to wake up. So you can um, you can really Doug Doug did such a great job because he had a lot of challenges. That room was very reflective. It was a live recording. Um, we are all playing live, whether it's, you know, we did everything, I think, you know, maybe two, maybe twice or, or maybe three times, two or three times um, to get the camera shots that we needed. But, I mean, there was so many challenges when it came to, you know, because you have drums playing live in a, in a very small space. So you have to really control to be able to mix well, you have to really be able to control the sound and control the mics and and what's happening. So there was really there's really I mean with what he had to contend with it was unbelievable the the work and the and the job that he did. And it took a long time. I remember we were on we were on uh um tours and playing shows and between shows at night or, or during the day, he was mixing, mixing those sessions. So, you know, if you hear, if you hear something, um, rather than saying, oh, but the vocal was buried, say, hey, why don't you, why was this vocal a little lower in the mix than I'm normally accustomed to hearing? That might be a way to approach that. But that is the answer, you know. That's, uh, I'm here to educate. <laughs> um, all right, to get on to some of these, these emails here. Uh, a lot of it, most people, man, with getting back to shows, most people are pretty torn. Most people are pretty torn, and I feel that way too. And I read an article last night um, that basically said that the concert is going to be the last thing to come back, and they made some pretty convincing arguments. So I just, uh, I'm not sure where we're going to end up. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. Um, because really, if, I mean, if sports can come back and they can play with, I mean, you can test all the players and they can play with no people in the stands. I mean, that doesn't seem, that seems fine to me. You're largely going to make... MLB is or NHL, whatever, uh, NFL, they're largely going to make their money 
through TV and broadcasting deals. So it does, I mean, yeah, the teams and, uh, uh, and whatever the franchises, they all they make a ton of money, whether it be ticket sales or whether it be, you know, hot dog beer sales. But you're largely making you're making so much money when it comes to broadcasting. Um, so there's that, and I think that for the love of the game, you know, they're not gonna. It's not gonna fail. I don't think it'll be weird. I saw a video, it was, or it was on the news the other day, of uh, a German soccer club. They went on and, and they played a game or a match. And they had cardboard cutouts of all of like random fans and players and whatever. And they put them in all the seats. And it had this weird, like, I understand what they were doing to try to make it give them their home field advantage or whatever, but it had this weird, imagine just like, <sighs> imagine like thousands of, of eyes just watching and no noise <laughs> and just zero and just completely silent. I think that'd be even weirder. And they lost the game. Um, all right, so moving on, people are pretty anxious about, uh, or the people that listen to this show are anxious about having concerts in the future. They want it really badly, but everybody wants it to be pretty safe, which I'm I'm on board with, and I am in agreement. Um, but you know, Katie Musselman here sent me sent me a couple nice emails, um. And I don't know. I, I don't. I think I think you bring up a good point here. I and mean, we're talk, talking a little bit about private concerts and some of some of these things I won't read. Um, but I think that I think that it's going to have to move to where the artists are going to have to take control of of their own situations here because you have. Biz, you know, there's businesses that want to get out that you have, you have to do, you have to do something, um, to run your small business. Like technically I am a small business. So you have to be able to make money and support. You can't just throw up your arms and say, well, well, we had a good run <laughs> because you can't, you, you, you gotta do it. You gotta keep pushing ahead. You gotta work for it. I think that it's going to move to artists doing um, ticketed home shows. I think that's something that is going to get, is going to be more uh, prevalent in the future. Um, artists kind of having their own spaces and selling tickets that way. Um, I know that I'm going to try to do some backyard con ticketed concerts um, just myself. And I've had a couple people, uh, email me back and forth about things like that. And right now it's like not even worth talking about. Um, it actually it's starting to get, um, it's starting to be worth talking about now because as we move into reopening, um, it's a little bit, you know, I'm Memorial day. Oh, happy Memorial day, by the way, but Memorial day I was around and there's people everywhere all near each other. And I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I'm saying it's a thing that people are doing. So you also can't just say, all right, well, it's okay for them to do this. And I don't know. I, I, I think it's relative, if you can control it. And if you have people that are uh, comfortable being there that are healthy, you, you still need to, I, I guess you still need to screen people to make sure that people are healthy and, want to be there but as long as there's plenty of space between two people you provide you know sanitizer and everyone is being respectful um i think that you can i think that you can do a home concert an outdoor home concert um and that's my two cents on that um oh here's a good here's a good one so katie says i realize that this must 
Um, wait, let me just get to the the part. Oh, I was thinking about yesterday and your oldest, Colton, did a magic show via Zoom for the families, which is really cool. Um, asked everyone to mute for most of the show so he could be heard. <clears throat> he did well, but it was so weird not to hear any reaction from people. It felt like he was performing to an empty room or completely bombing. Well, I know how that feels, and I also know how that feels playing to a completely full room. <laughs> um, so, he <laughs> goes on to say, I realized that this must be what musicians feel like going from performing for full rooms um, to performing via live streams where they have to read comments to get feedback. I assume that it's hard, a hard adjustment. Um... Sorry, Siri just started listening to me for some reason. And say, hey, Siri. Ah, uh, where was I? How do you temper this and find the motivation to keep doing live streams? I know you love to play, but it's uh, but it's hard to get pumped. But is it hard to get pumped for a live stream uh, where you will have no audio feedback from your audience? Reading great job probably doesn't give you quite the same adrenaline rush. You know, I. There's a couple things there. Couple of things. I really enjoy doing the live stream. It is weird. It takes a little bit of getting used to when you finish playing a song and nothing happens. But if you're in the room, you're on my team. So that so I know that when I'm done playing, I know that the room doesn't clear out from, you know, whatever number it is to 0 then you guys like being there. You guys have put up with a lot of my technical difficulties, I will say. Uh, but I feel like every week it's getting better. Um, so, you know, as far as getting pumped for live streams, I do get pretty nervous and, and pumped up and I get very excited. I get really excited for Thursdays. Like I'm very excited for tomorrow and being able to do it. As far as comments of like nice job and thumbs up, I prefer that people like ask a question or like or or say or or interact with each other in the room because then I can take the comment and bring it up on the screen and we can make it more um, uh, interactive, which I think is fun and I and I think there's been a real um, kind of community based around those live streams that people come in and they comment they talk to each other which is really really great to see to see that back and forth between everyone um and everyone's been very you know supportive and trying to do some things to give back uh whether it's the contests or um or i don't know i i'm 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 open to suggestions um what else did i say oh yeah yeah like all day on um, I do like technical tests like I test out the system I'm dealing with a pretty old computer so things aren't as good as they possibly could be but I am fixing that very soon um, and hopefully that'll that'll make things even better I'm just trying to make it better every week and uh, actually I will announce I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that people are not doing at all on live streams, which is a live collaboration. Uh, so I'll be doing that tomorrow night with Evan Sanders. He will be playing keys. I will be singing and it will be, we, it's not pre-recorded. We will be playing a song live, um, which, which I'm very excited about. Could go terribly wrong. So tune in for that. Um, yeah, I wrote here in my notes, technical tests all day, followed by technical difficulties all night. <laughs> uh, thank you, Katie. Thank you for always being super supportive and emailing in. So a lot of these these emails are really are long, and I, I got through all of them. Um, so maybe I'll do one or two today and then another one. But this one, this one particularly got me um, because... Yeah, this one just particularly got me. So this is from Erica Barden. And she went through a lot of the questions. A lot of it's some, uh, you know, she was she was telling me some personal background of her family and how music uh, 
was a big part of her relationships and, um, and, uh, a big, big influence was, was Harry Chapin growing up. And, you know, the, the big thing that got me in this, uh, in this email, um, and again, Erica's along with the majority here, cons- uh, constantly walking the line between wanting people to be safe and worrying about the ill effects of the quarantine, uh, like the collapse of the economy and increasing uh, societal problems like violence and poverty. I, I mean, it's just really, it's hard. It's hard to balance out. And it's like hard to have the thoughts of like, fuck it, I just want to get out there and like, we're all, we'll all be fine. It's really hard to, and you think about these things, you're like, no, I can't think like that. Um, and it's important to come back to the balance, to the middle, to, to not just be like, all right, fuck it. You know, we, we need to, to like nip this virus in the butt. It needs to go away. So whatever we can do to do that and we'll recover, we will recover. Um, but as far as music is concerned for Erica, lyrics, lyrics are first and forefront. And you know, an interesting thing, um, actually I'll wait on that because there's another email that kind of touches on it. So Erica's oldest son, Brayden is a big Carbon Lee fan. And, um, I remember this exchange, uh, when you know i'm not going to go through the the whole thing but um we were playing in salisbury massachusetts and it was brayden's birthday uh and he was on the side of the stage right in front of carter and when we went into um uh what was it song for the sea we went into song for the sea because he's a big fan of the um the celtic tunes and all that stuff they made like a like a, a little scream and it was really funny and Barry pointed at them and I like it when he does stuff like that. But um Yeah, I mean just this story about how how Erica's son Braden uh it's like their thing to go to concerts and I think that's really, really special and there's a little bit of worry that you guys won't be able to, you know, he'll grow out of it and um and all that stuff. And I do remember giving him the drumsticks in Virgin in uh in Vermont. And like I wish that was something that I wish that was something that um you know one of my favorite drummers did for me. So I try to think like, hey, how did I feel when I was a kid? And uh what would have made me even propel me even further to do what I love to do. And, um, you know, if I see a kid in the audience that's like singing along, that's engaged, that loves to be there, like, you know, I love talking to that kid and giving him a pair of sticks or something. And, um, hopefully just, you know, cause I, I know that I would have, I would have been on cloud nine. Um, it would have made my year. So if I can do that for, for any one person, then sign me up. Um, but I will say, Braden, don't grow out of it, man. It's uh, it's really cool. You have a really cool mom, and um, I think this is great. I think this is great that you spend that time together. You have that thing. You guys make T-shirts, which is the coolest. Um, you know, it's like it's next level. Everyone thinks that all right, you have to. You buy the ticket. You go to the concert, and the best thing about going to a show is like letting go and being yourself and like being able to dance around people that you don't know and, uh, and just be, and just be, just be you. That's the best part. Um, so Brayden, you got a really cool mom and, uh, the story warmed my heart. Um, and it was really cool. It was really cool to hear this. And I really hope you guys get to go to a show soon. I really hope it's a Carbon Leaf show. Um, but thank you so much for for sending that in. I, I printed all these out so I would have them to keep them. Because 
I think this is really special. And it reminds me to have these emails. It reminds me why, why I do this. Um, so I'll put that one down before I cry. <laughs> um, you also said, uh, you also said that, um, the, the, another thing that I remembered, you mentioned in the episode that you like to be playing in front of 80,000 people and from what you said, it doesn't sound like money is even has much to do with it. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not going to say it has nothing to do with it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be really cool to play in front of 80,000 people. But I understand, uh, I, f- I understand that, you know, selfishly we all, uh, the, and these are, these are your words. <laughs> though selfishly i like we're all uh where you're all at right now big enough to make a living and small enough to notice a boy in the crowd who loves to hear what you create which i think is so sweet um yeah i mean that is that really is a sweet spot you always hear about big artists that play huge venues and and uh stadiums and stuff like that you always hear that they miss playing the clubs and we get to do that all the time. And it's hard to remember that because you want to reach for that next thing, that next level. Um, I would really love to be uh, small theaters. I think that's the sweet spot. But, um, you know, we keep working. We keep doing it. And a lot of it is just so we can continue to create and do the best things do the best things for our livelihoods and also for our fans as a whole. Um, because that's, you know, like I said, we're, we're, we're a small business. We got to do what we got to do to, uh, keep the lights on. And, uh, I think that, I think that we do a good job or I think that carbon leaf does a good job of keeping that balance. Um, because it's not, it's not easy. Not every band has a Barry Privet that will work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365. It's like, you know, just the things that every now and then we'll get emails, we'll talk ideas and stuff like that. And just all the stuff that comes out that he's already thought of. It's like, oh my God, dude, when did you sleep? Um, And it's it's remarkable. It's remarkable to see. And I'm, you know, I'm really happy to be a part of it and learn from it and do all those things. Um, I'm trying to bring up the carbon leaf, uh, Kickstarter campaign because I want to update you guys on that. So I got one or two more things and then I'll leave you alone. Let's see here. Okay. So, Let's see. Oh, I want to bring this one up. I'm going to do two, a couple today and a few next week. Um, Jeff, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff in this email. Thank you so much for writing, writing in Jeff. Um, this is really, this was really, really great uh, to hear this email or to read this email because you go through all the thoughts and like your experience as you know, you say at your musical core, I'm a frustrated musician, um, and that you've dabbled on guitar, never became very confident due to lack of time, um, to compensate, go to a lot of live shows. And I think a lot of people are in that same boat, but it's interesting to me because like as a musician and you're a musician, Jeff, no doubt about it. I always have a really hard time being in the audience and a lot of musicians that whether they're uh, weekend warriors or whether they're professionals, they get crabby when they go to shows because they become judgmental and they can't enjoy it. And I've been in that boat a lot of times. And a lot of times it's when I go to see either a friend's band or if a friend asks me to go see a friend's band or something like that. I'll go and I won't have the right attitude and I will leave uh, unfulfilled because I was because of, of ego. And I try to remember that and I try to uh, not be like that. So kudos to you, Jeff, for, um, for, for taking, taking your love of music and putting it into, uh, 
into like a really great space. Um, holy shit. I mean, these numbers, I saw 69 concerts, 126 bands and 27 venues in 10 locations. That is incredible. Um, you like many people prefer to see shows at smaller venues. Um, well, you have your favorites. Uh, I enjoy and frequently go to concerts with bands. I do not know. So that's incredible. I love that. I really, really do. I think that's great because, um, I wish, I wish I was more like that. I wish I could just go out to a show, but I, I just, I, I don't like being around a lot of people as you've probably noticed if you've listened to the show for any period of time. Um, I get, I get, uh, anxiety being in rooms with, with a lot of people. If I'm not on stage, if I'm on stage, I have space around me. I'm good. I just have a tough time in big crowds. Um, so, (laughs) so you say you have a terrible fear of missing out, dude, you and me are the same. Uh, the more honest answer has to do, you know, it's, it's just, it's just getting, we have to, we have to be connected and, and, and that's why people love to gather and go to these and go to shows and experience. Like I said last week, you're at the thing that you, with the people that you have the thing in common with. Does that make sense? That doesn't sound like it made sense. But you're at the place of the thing you have in common. Um, and to be in the room and be out and, and, and enjoy it and be a part of that experience is what it's all about. I think it's really great. Um I'm going to skip through some of this stuff. Um, I just want to make sure. Okay. So regarding how I connect to music in general, I'm 100% lyrics first listener, but the melody is still essential. So this brings up a good point. So up on my bookshelf here, I have lots of, you know, biographies about artists. And I also have a lot of uh, my Berkeley textbooks. Um, and one class that I actually didn't take when I was at college, uh, was writing was like an actual song writing class. I was a, uh, business management major because I wanted to do that because to have a fallback plan and, uh, Braden, if you're still listening, I'm going to give you some advice your mom's not going to like. You go with your gut and do the thing you want to do. Because what I should have done was I should have either done the pro music major and just followed my my passion and my dream um, and, uh, and and got more, more actual music lessons and gotten better at my craft rather than waiting till, you know, to do it after college. Um, and I wish I took more songwriting courses. Uh, but yeah, I just, I had this idea in my head that's like, you need to do, you need to have the backup plan. And I think, I think if you don't have, if you have the mindset that you need a backup plan, you're already failing at your plan A. Um, and that's just my advice. That's how I feel about it. And, um, you know, going to school, be a doctor or a lawyer is, is awesome. You're going to make boatloads of money, but if you but you, if there's a will, there's a way, and you can, if you like, I don't know. I don't know where I'm trying to go with it. I, I think you all understand what I mean. <laughs> but um, I chose after school to to just focus on playing and, and traveling and and, uh, and being a musician. And only now am I really, now I'm kind of falling into this other side of the thing where I'm like, okay, I want to continue to do this, so I need to make myself more viable. So that's really what's happening. Um, but yeah, the book I'm talking about is called Writing Better Lyrics. It's by Pat Pattinson, who is a songwriting guru at Berkeley. And, uh, you can check out stuff on YouTube about him. And what Jeff brings up when he's talking about how the lyrics work for him first, but the, uh, um, the melody and the harmony all has to come together they call that prosody. That's the word, prosody. That's when the emotion that's created, a, the bed of emotion that's created by the bed of chords underneath, the, when the melody and the lyrics, you know, say if the lyric says, I'm falling down, you know, something like that. 
does it make sense to have the melody go, I'm falling down? Or does it make sense to go, I'm falling down? Like, actually come down. So, things like that, making things all make sense and work together as a whole in one song. So, when you're hearing music, they say, you know, when I was in these classes, they say the best way to listen is to take it all in at the same time. And that's really hard to do because your brain can only focus on one thing at a time. So you need, so I like to listen to stuff over and over and over and over again until my wife is like, can we listen to something else? Um, you just want to get everything out of it. And then you put the pieces all together. Some people can do that in one, in one shot and they feel something and they're not necessarily thinking about those chords and the melody and they're listening to the lyrics and then the chords and the melody are already supporting that. And subconsciously they know how this is all working for them. So that's called prosody. Um, Jeff talks about uh, the example that he uses is the Russ and Kelly cover of Taylor Swift's all too well. I love his version. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause I love his version. And I think you get with Rustin, you get like a pain in his voice and, uh, and just the way that he tells that story, it almost makes more sense that he's telling it than Taylor. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I've Rustin's songs, like, like, uh, the song Jericho, incredible song. I'm going to try to do that on one of my live streams, but, um, just the way he sings, you really feel every lyric and every, every bit of pain in there. That's that's a good that's a good connection. Mate. Thank you so much, Jeff, for bringing that up. You have a couple other thing things here that I highlighted. Um, yeah, everybody's just been really supportive. I often think about all the things that touring musicians have to give up for what they do, and the fact uh, that what they do feels so essential to my life. Yeah, I would call it an essential business. I just think that I have a lot of I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about uh, musicians and the music industry and why I think most of the working and hardworking musicians are taken advantage of. A lot of it has to do with our personalities, and I'm not I'm not gonna uh, give up all of the blame because yeah, we can be we can sit on the couch until until one o'clock and then muster up the courage to get something done. But I think that there's a lot of super hardworking people out there and maybe, you know, maybe we don't get treated super fairly by all the venues that we play or the deals aren't great. And, uh, and if you're working towards something and, and you have, you have these crazy roadblocks and, and just experiences that, are pretty subpar, uh, in some, and these are just venues in general, then like, you know, I don't know. I I think, I think that we can hold, I think that musicians and bands should be able to hold venues and clubs and promoters and, uh, you know, just to a higher standard. Um, if you listen to my conversation with, with Jordan Berger, um, he talks a lot about, making deals and calling venues and, and dealing with other people and Madison house, our booking agency and, and Jordan Berger, our booking agent holds people to a higher standard and is always working to, uh, to better the, um, better the product. Cause they, I mean, they want to make money. They want the best possible band and, and, to go into a place and knock everybody off their feet and, and do a great job. But, um, you know, there's a lot of venues out there that just don't allow it to happen. And I don't know what's going to happen at the end of all this. And like I said earlier, if you're still with me, um, I think that, I think that bands themselves are going to have to start taking, doing more of a DIY approach bands of this level, this caliber, You have to start doing more of a DIY approach to uh, having concerts and selling merch. And they're going to have to make their stuff more available. And maybe some of those 
touring costs like travel costs and stuff like that are going to go a little bit more towards bolstering online stores um and people will have to create more stuff on their own and not spend a ton of money in 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 big expensive studios so i don't know a lot of this stuff is all changing all the time but um you know, we appreciate you guys. A lot of you guys said that you, you know, you give you what you can. And, um, and that has been like taking, going from there to the carbon leaf Kickstarter. Um, now I got to talk about this because we already have 404 backers. There's 59 days to go. Our goal, um, was $21,000 and we are at 57,000. 846, which is incredible. And, you know, there's, I've seen some comments of like, you know, what are you guys going to do with all the extra money? It's like, well, (laughs) we are going to make, make a better album. We're going to make a great album. And if you go through some of those, uh, some of those things that you can get when you pledge, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. It's pretty freaking awesome. And I'm so excited to get in there and make, make a rock album, like, like a legit rock album. We already did, you know, you'll see in there gathering two is going to be basically given to you. You get, you're funding a full length rock album and you're getting an album. It's, it's crazy. Um, and that just, it's a testament to all the work that we've done the last couple of years. So, um, super excited about that. Go to it, go to the Kickstarter. I'll put a link in the description. Um, check it out. The more, I mean, the more backers and the more pledge, obviously the more stuff that we can do and give back and do this thing that we love. Um, but so excited. It's so exciting. So I will get to, um, oh, uh, Oh, and Jeff is is going to uh, Jeff. You're you're gonna win the contest. You're you won the contest for the name of the episode because you said something really great. Um, you know, I'll read this paragraph here. All of this is to convey the amount of gratitude I have for you, your bandmates, and musicians in general. I am always in awe of what you can create and the way it makes me feel. Um, if there is magic in the world, music is it. And the world could always use more magic. Uh, so the title of this episode is, is If There's Magic in the World, Music is It. So thank you very much for that, Jeff. Um, all right, guys. I think that is all for today. I'm going to leave you with some music. Thank you so much for listening. Tomorrow I will be live streaming uh, on Facebook, on my personal Facebook, facebook.com slash Jesse Humphrey. And I will be playing some songs. I will have Evan Sanders on as a guest, and we're going to do a live collaboration, live collaboration. We will not be in the same room. We will not have pre-recorded it. He is going to play and I am going to sing. And, uh, it could be a disaster but it could also be really great in the future. Um, and I will explain next week how we, how we do it. So I, am uh, going to go, I'm going to go. Thank you all so much for all your amazing, your amazing, uh, uh, emails. Keep sending them in after the gig pod at gmail.com. Um, if you are, wanting to check out the my patreon page to support me on patreon it's patreon.com slash after the gig i will be starting to post more stuff i am getting my video editing skills uh honed and i'm going to try to be doing more stuff uh to give out to you guys so that is the deal with that um check out the carbon leaf kickstarter and I just hope to see you tomorrow on the live stream so we can hang out and uh, leave some comments and, you know, as always. Thank you so much, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week 
and I will see you next week.
Carbon Lee from Virginia. Couldn't be any farther away right now. Continental United States. And we're having a great ball of a time. Thank you.